Welcome to the Kill Rock Podcast. This is episode 31 featuring Kyle Bishop from the band Numbers. Before we get to the episode, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of the Kill Rock Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash killrock for your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download for your iPhone, for your Android, for your Kindle, or any MP3 player that you do have. So go to audibletrial.com slash killrock. Welcome to the Kill Rock Podcast. Today we have Kyle Bishop from Numbers, and this is their song, It's Chilly Out.
and welcome to episode 31 of the Kill Rock Podcast. Did not say it in the pre-roll, but I will say it now. This is part one of two. This interview went so long, I literally started editing it and realized it went to about an hour and a half. I want to try to keep it down. I want to try to keep every episode down under uh, an hour and ten, if I could keep it under an hour. But this episode went over an hour and a half, so we are going to be posting two episodes, actually two parts, of this interview featuring Kyle Bishop from Numbers. On This is part one. We'll have part two on Wednesday. Like I said, thank you guys for joining us. That was It's Chilly Out off uh, Numbers album three. Uh, you can go check it out on iTunes. You can check it out on their Bandcamp. Their Bandcamp is numbersband.bandcamp.com. And uh, here we are. Uh, I'm going to let you know where I'm actually sitting right now. And I'll tell you why. I am sitting in the parking structure off Hollywood and Highland in the middle of Hollywood. Now, let me tell you how my morning, and that's why you're going to hear cars. Uh, you might hear cars rolling around behind me. Here is why I'm in the middle of a parking structure in the middle of Hollywood. Across the street from my alma mater, Musicians Institute. <laughs> well, it sounded like a car accident over there. Anyway, um, this morning, it is Sunday, uh, January something. The day before we post this interview, this this episode is January 11th. Um, I woke up at about six or seven. I had to be in Hollywood by one o'clock to get to Hollywood by one o'clock. I had to meet my girlfriend by 12. Okay. So I had to record this episode, uh, by at least eight o'clock, maybe nine o'clock. So I could have it, you know, recorded somewhat edited. I could edit it more when I got here because I have internet where I'm at. So I wasn't really fretting. Well, this morning, and you might ask, why don't you record the monologue or whatever you call it, uh, you know, before? Why don't you, why do you have to, you know, be in such a rush on Sundays? Well, it's because I want to be up to the news. You know, stuff happens on Saturdays all the way up to Sundays. And I record them so early on Sundays, news even breaks, like the front porch step stuff. Uh, the front porch step stuff came out. Later on, that's Sunday evening, if not early Monday morning. Um, so either way, I'm going to miss it. But, you know, Sunday morning is a perfect time for me because, yeah, I'm not rushing as much. And Sunday is basically my only free day. Anyways, that's beyond the point. Um, I go to set up my stuff and I have my Lisa's mixer ready. It's turned on. It's it's warming up. I have it on a standby uh, waiting to plug everything in. And then when I'm there, pop on the standby and I'm recording. However, I have been moving the last couple weeks. So some stuff, uh, has been a little cluttered and I could not find the USB cable to plug the mixer into my MacBook pro. So I was frustrated. I was irritated. 
I was borderline mad. I was like, my gosh, I got to record this episode and I do not want to prolong it. I don't want to post it on Tuesday. I want to post it on Monday when I said I was going to. So uh, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go down to Guitar Center and uh, try to pick up some stuff, you know, see if I could find a cable or a USB cable and I could get this interview. I could get this uh, episode done. So I go down to Guitar Center in Covina, the only guitar center I have ever bought anything uh, remotely in the same genre of music. I have bought every single tool that I use for this podcast, like microphones, stands, uh, cables, uh, my interface. The mixer is actually borrowed, but... I'm sure John Mediana got it at Guitar Center in Covina as well. If not, we're just going to say he did. Uh, everything that I use but my MacBook Pro, uh, my guitars, bass, amplifiers, everything. I've bought at that Guitar Center. I've been going to that Guitar Center all my life. So I trust it. So I go down there and I say, hey, uh, is this guy Jermaine? Super nice dude. I'm like, hey, Jermaine, I need a USB plug for my mixer he says here you go and i say hey you know what i need a blue snowball microphone for my macbook pro when i want to record outside of the house he says here you go i bought a new microphone like i could afford anything I bought a new microphone for the Kill Rock podcast. Uh, So that is what I'm recording on right now in the middle of Hollywood. uh, Getting this episode done for you, the listeners, to check out. That is the story of how I got out of here. Anyway, so if you hear cars in the background, that's why. Uh, today, uh, on this episode of the Kill Rock Podcast, episode 31, like I said, uh, we do have Kyle Bishop from the band Numbers, and just so happens, the week before we release this episode, uh, Kyle talks about, uh, he went on another podcast and he talked about, uh, the Road to the Sphinx Battle of the Bands that they did, um, and they got a lot of headlines. Lamb Goat picked it up. Metal Sucks picked it up. Uh, Indie Vision Music picked it up. And, of course, I'm picking it up because uh, I have Kyle on this show. And you know what? On part two. If you don't want to listen to part one because of this, you can go check out part two. But on part two, he does talk about the road to the Sphinx. Battle of the Bands. So, uh, listen to this episode, though. This episode is about how numbers got started their influences what they do live everything about the their album three and then on part two we talk about the labels that they have talked to and also the road to the sphinx at the end of episode two part two at least i am going to kind of talk about my feelings in regards to that whole situation i just don't want to uh kind of put in my two cents until after you hear what he has to say. 
So with that, we are going to get to a song from their album three. Before we get to that song, I want to let you guys know that the best way for you guys to help us out here at the Kill Rock Podcast is to rate, review, subscribe. Also share with your friends. Rating and reviewing is super important. Give us those stars. Give us that little blurb on what you think of the Kill Rock Podcast and share it with your friends. Pass around the Kill Rock Podcast. We have some amazing guests coming up in the next couple weeks. We have Andrew Andrade from Rise or Die Records. We also have Brent Lakes from Broken Circles Records, who's releasing uh, Bandit's album, their debut album of life, January 20th. We're going to have him on the show a week after the album drops. So stay tuned to the Kill Rock Podcast. We have a jam from Numbers. This song was featured on a couple episodes of the Kill Rock Podcast before. This is their song, Legally Speaking.
Welcome back to the Kill Rock Podcast. Today, we have Kyle Bishop from the band Numbers out of Washington, uh, Seattle, Washington, I guess. We were kind of talking about this already. Um, Kyle, how's it going? What are you doing? How are you doing? Yada, yada, yada. Well, right now, uh, I'm doing good, and I've been just working on Christmas stuff. Uh <laughs> And I think all of us are just working through the holidays and um, spending a lot of time with our families. And and it's uh, it's been really enjoyable. It's been really, really nice. Um, I have a, a newborn son. and oh, Well, wow. not quite not quite newborn, but uh, he's six months old now. And, okay. Um, so that, that's been occupying a lot of my time. <laughs> and, uh, and it's been really just a brand new experience, a uh, brand new year, brand new phase of life. And it's just been, it's been nuts. So, um, so yeah, you could say things are very, going very well. Yeah. So baby's first yeah. Christmas, I guess. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anything that He's you, doing great. what did you get from him for Christmas? Does, I mean, is, I'm sure it won't be a surprise to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> Won't even remember any of this, but uh, we got him. I, th- I think I got him. Uh, I got him a puzzle, but and I also got him a book or two. But they're like all children's books and stuff, right. and uh, more like just like in anticipation for uh, reading to him and just spending time with him and stuff like that. We're we're getting a lot of like just little toys and books and things like that, and it's really fun because. Oh, you can probably hear him. But, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's just he. Um, I just can't wait to show him things and just teach him stuff and communicate with him. And uh, right now, he's just in the still in the Goo Goo Gaga phase. So, <laughs> so we're getting gifts that don't really he won't really be using yet. <laughs> have but you, have you gotten him like everybody poops in like those kind of books yet, or are they just like I think. I think we already had that book. Uh, we already had that book before he was even born. We okay. just had it. And so, is, this, is this your first child? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, there goes my wife. Hi. <laughs> See, so, a, a lot of our, our a lot of our uh, listeners they know that I do Skype, so sometimes that happens where it's like, oh, you could see this, but no one else can because oh, of course, no big deal. Yep. Um, cool. The thing about numbers. Um, Josh Murphy from Indivision, uh, you guys did an interview with him uh, earlier this year, I think, right? Was that uh, the online like email interview? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was a while ago. We were talking, um, I think, a couple days ago, and uh, or at least before I emailed you, obviously. And uh, yeah. he was telling me, he was like, you know what? I, I'm surprised this band Numbers hasn't been signed. And I'm like, I've never heard of them. He's like, well, here's their band camp. So I checked it out. First song I put on, uh, not knowing it was actually your single, was Legally Speaking. And uh-huh. holy crap, Kyle. <laughs> what are you guys? <laughs> what are we? Yes. What I do you mean? mean? <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, uh, which, what are you guys thinking? You guys say like, hey, we're going to start a metalcore that will remind people of Rush and remind people of like <laughs> all these obscure, like really, not obscure, Rush isn't obscure, but... But, a, a prog, sure. Yeah, like a prog metal, but like, dear lord, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I'm. I mean, I have a. I think all of us have a lot of musical background, but um, okay. I, I definitely think for me, I have a really diverse musical background. Mm-hmm. And when uh, I don't know, I, I kind of 
I definitely got hooked into metal late in the game. And oh, um, late in the game, meaning like, you know, I started listening to a lot of music when I was maybe, you know, 11 or 12. And it started with like ska music. Mm-hmm. And then um, as I turned maybe 14 or 15, I started getting to like the heaviest stuff I got into was like new metal, which is <laughs> Limp Biscuit and P.O.D. and stuff like that. You know, um, I, I that's how I was too. Limp yeah. Biscuit and P.O.D. were my first two bands as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I was listening to you know uh, Youth of the Nation and um, <laughs> stuff like that. And I, uh, I, I, the thing is though, like I was listening to that simultaneously listening to like Death Cab for Cutie and okay. Ben Folds. Um, Gosh, Ben Folds 5 is a huge influence of mine, just learning piano and stuff right. like that. But um <laughs> Sorry about that. No, this is this is the best this is like my favorite part about doing interviews. Like especially when we're not like face to face. I love outside yeah. noises. I know a lot yeah. of radios are like, you gotta be quiet, but no, I love it. Okay, you love the baby crying. I love the, the baby crying. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna sample that and I'm gonna add it to like my little repertoire of noises. Okay. Okay, good. But yeah, I I mean, uh up until I was eighteen I was listening to like just indie bands and um postal service starting right. into that uh, a lot of electronic music and um a lot of Daft Punk and then I started listening to Herbie Hancock, started getting into like jazz and um and then all of a sudden, like maybe when I was 19 or so, I listened to Underoath and right. then August Burns Red and then As They Lay Dying. And then like for some reason, my I just connected with metal. And uh, I was a keyboardist at the time. And mm-hmm. once I started getting into metal and starting started to actually get into metal bands, I was always the keyboardist. But I really wanted to play more than just like a chord over a breakdown or right. something. You know, like I wanted, to, I wanted to really infuse what I was capable of doing on the piano into metal, and it was really hard because um, every single band I was in, and I was always the keyboardist on the side, and I I didn't have a lot of control. I was just more like a huge influencer of the of the songwriting and stuff right. like that. I wasn't able to really show what I. I and uh, a lot of my ideas were shut down because they were just a little weird or a little strange or a little out of or- out of the right. ordinary. You know, it, was, and, it wasn't like the Chris Dudley or you know those those right. those normal t- uh, typical uh, piano parts and metal. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, just, I mean, nothing Prada, wrong with Chris Dudley. Yeah, Prada. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. But I understand. Yeah, and it's and that's the thing is that like. I liked those bands. I thought, oh, this band is sweet. It's got keyboards in it, you know. But again, I would listen to it and be like, man, if I was the one playing, I would do something so different. Right. And so much weirder or out out of the box. Try to just go a different direction. And I don't know. um, When I turned 24 or so, I started, I tried to scream. And I had already been singing uh, here or there in different bands and stuff. But I tried screaming for the first time, started doing vocal covers. And. Um, it turned into this snowball where I, I did vocal covers and then all of a sudden uh, people were giving me a lot of attention and compliment mm-hmm. for my voice. They were like, you should start, start a band or are you in a band? And it wasn't at the time. And the fact that I kind of got some confidence on YouTube and followers telling me that they wanted to hear my voice over original music, I was right. like, you know what? I think I'm just going to start my own band. And and I'll be the keyboardist, but I'll also be the lead singer and, and do all that stuff. And that's how numbers kind of spawned. Okay. Um, I started writing 
this music and started because I had complete control over it. And um, I was commandeering everything. And then I found Victor, our drummer. And then uh, at the time, Justin, our original guitarist, he was he was a game for this new band idea. And then Ryan, our old bassist, he flew out from New Jersey and joined the band. And we just started getting the ball rolling and released three demos. And then we got in the studio and recorded an EP. And then so many things were happening. We started recording music videos. And that's the other thing I do. I do videos. And um, it just kind of just balled into this thing that is now numbers. And now we have a full length under our belt. And it's just, if you're asking us what we are, that's kind of what it is. It's like <laughs> this, I, I I have this very diverse background and I finally like uh, threw together this creative idea, you know, right. which became numbers. And it's like, it's all my favorite things of my influences you know um which is metal and jazz and prog and uh like you rush you know like just <laughs> um we talked about your uh, how you guys started your influence uh mm-hmm. i totally agree with that's how exactly how my how i basically uh uh kind of started coming into my own as a musician and a music mm-hmm. lover same exact road like from limp biscuit and pod new metals type stuff um, right the pax 217s and then when uh, dude i love pax 217 yes <laughs> when good call dude yeah pa- you you can't say pod and then not mention sandbox praise yes yes box <laughs> praise dude no so... place like home and dude that whole album is a huge hit for me like i i love that album you said pax 217 and yeah it's like if you asked me what my favorite band was when I was 14 years old, I'd be like, <laughs> Pax 217. They are my favorite band right now. Have you seen They're Extreme Days? That. The movie Extreme yeah, Days? Yeah, Extreme Days. And yeah, that <laughs> I think you're the yeah. first person that I've talked to <laughs> that is not in like my immediate circle of friends that <laughs> loves that movie. That knows that movie? Yeah, that movie. Dude, the farting scene was such a great scene. <laughs> it's a great scene. I hang out with my girlfriend all the time and, you know... I, it, it, when you say uh when you say uh, i got a world record there there's always some laughs, laughs going on <laughs> there's always something that's funny that's funny um yeah, yeah packs of 17 and then uh i checked out i think what got me really into metal is i got a solid state uh one of their compilation albums and i listened to under oath this is when the, this is when the changing of times came out and uh oh okay yeah yeah but then they're only chasing safety that was yeah. the groundbreaking album for me and then it moved into like yeah thrice. i think that's where we probably went different i went more into like thrice and the screamo and yeah, yeah. but got it with you guys um how is it being the singer do you use tracks live because you do a lot on the keyboard while singing I put the majority, uh, we decided that to put the majority of the backing tracks, I'm sorry, of the keys in the backing right. tracks, unless there's like, unless there's a distinct part, you know, right. um, for example, and legally speaking, there's the, uh, the piano is a very prominent and upfront instrument right. during the choruses, as well as during the bridge and especially the keyboard solo at the end, like there, that would be a shame, you know, if I didn't if I didn't play those live. Right. But there are other things that were like during a breakdown, you hear like different melodies and um, eerie harmonies and stuff in the background are, that are definitely produced from electronic synths and things like that, that I found it 
I'm just like, I, there's no guilt for not playing that stuff. You know, I'm not right. going to play that stuff during a breakdown. I'd much rather, basically, if like, if I'm singing and screaming, if that's like a, that's a part, I should most likely not be playing in front stage, you know, unless, again, it's like a prominent part. So basically, if you hear something that's clearly a performed part, I'm going to be playing that live, you know, but if, they, if if it's just kind of background ambience or background, like, boopy doop digital effects, things like that, right. and, like, little harmonies and stuff, I'm not playing that. So I feel like we had we struck a pretty good balance where I'm able to kind of sit down and get up on the front state of the stage, center stage, and sit back down and play a little bit. There's a good balance of that back and forth without it becoming overwhelming for me, you know? Yeah. Now, do you so, guys, now do you have do you guys set up like something corporate where you ha- will have like a microphone next to your keys, but you'll have a separate microphone, or do you, like so you could bounce back and forth? Uh, it depends. It depends on the uh, what's available to us at, right. uh, yeah, at the venue. Stuff, yeah. You know, if we are, I mean, if we're talking our ideal setup, if we had, if I had my way, I would just have two mics um, plugged into one interface, right. and then uh, and then I could just switch between the two. Um, it's a lot easier for me to uh, just sit down and sing into a mic in front of me and then swap over to center stage and grab a mic stand, you know? Right. Um, but I, the thing is like just in the past year or two of all the shows that we played most of the time, we have two backup vocals. So we really need four mics. And, uh, um, most of the time they only have three. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I usually just settle with switching back and forth, which that, it, that keeps very busy um because in the, right after i'm done playing i'll grab the mic out of the uh out of the mic stand in front of me on the piano and then switch over to center stage and pop the mic in and the mic stand and i'll be doing this while i'm screaming and singing so i'm i'm multitasking <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm, I'm doing so many different things at once and uh i got used to that and uh i came to expect it so i got i feel like ideally i'd have to that makes it simple for me but right. I, I i adapted you know and i worked with it and um but yeah it it's a it's a busy it's a busy gig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because so. the piano is super busy. I mean, once you, I think that's what caught my attention was when I first heard Legally Speaking, and then I bought the album uh, three. We're, we haven't even talked about the album three yet. We're just talking about your stage performance. But I, the first thing I heard, I was like, it starts out with the piano just going like nuts. And then yeah. while you're singing, it's still going nuts. And then when you're screaming, it's still going nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, yeah so i think that's why i asked because you don't really see too many lead vocalists unless you're jack's mannequin or something corporate or even yeah ben folds five you don't mm-hmm. see uh too many crazy piano sections going while the lead singers you know singing um, right wh- how did you guys like together i know you talked about how you came into uh wanting to do your keys with the vocals how did the band come together and decide like hey like this is how we will all do it or are you the main songwriter i'm the main songwriter okay Um, so you write vocals you write music you write basically everything uh virtually yes i mean uh, i'll write what i like to do is i like to write everything via midi Uh, okay and then the last album three um, the process specifically is between Victor and I. Victor and I are are, are very 
uh, hands-on <laughs> with uh, with songwriting. And what I'll do is I'll I'll write the demo. I'll write the I'll get the idea out of my head, and then he and I will sit down and he'll he'll tell me what he thinks of it. And what, and he usually has some pretty good suggestions. And at the time when we still had our our bassist uh, mm-hmm. Ryan, Ryan would usually be like, "Hey, can we like switch this section over here?" So while I am the main songwriter, it's not without revisions and suggestion from right. the other band members, you know, so that we can all kind of get our creativity in there. And uh, that makes for a pretty lucrative um, songwriting experience because I'm able to. Uh, get exactly what I want out of the song and then everybody else in the band is able to give their input and even input their own style and their own technique into the song and kind of infuse their own personality into it and then it became while mine was like my idea was like the skeleton of the Mm -hmm. song they are like the meat of the rest of it you know that gives it a lot more character than it had before and um, and so I I I cannot, you know, I can say that, yes, I'm a key songwriter, but I definitely don't want to not give credit where it's due. Right. And And so I'm sure that takes a lot of stress off you, too, because uh, if, you know, they don't need to take ownership if you're the only one that's writing the song. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. And we, you know, we agreed that, like, um, if it came down to it, you know, if uh, if say, like, I prefer a part over someone else's but someone else someone else's idea they think is just as legitimate we usually we we go pretty democratic about that and just take a vote and um you know i'm not i'm not the final say you know (laughs) i'm not like this uh but i will say that like usually my ideas are are pretty much untouched um victor uh specifically he he really likes reworking the drums mm-hmm. a lot to his own style and technique right, right. and so um while the the generic like halftime or punk beat you know that kind of stuff is definitely my original writing. his fills and a lot of his technique and a lot of his subtle nuances that he added in the drums that's all him like right. th- that is all his style now the thing is is that he taught me how to how to like write that kind of style with those nuances so with the new demos i'm writing stuff that he would definitely play and he is pissed at me and so so he's like stealing his creativity (laughs) yeah and so like what he wanted he was like you know for this new album that we're gonna do for a second full length that we're gonna do he was like i want all those demos with no drums none (laughs) and he's like don't give me any drums and i'm gonna be writing them from scratch without any of your influence you know i'm like like, all right fine you know do what you want and so i think it'll be cool because uh it it's going to be different from from before because before uh, Victor would notate all of his drums and we would adjust everything accordingly, and now he's going to be doing everything um, just kind of by ear instead right. of notating it. He's just going to go by feeling to see what happens naturally. So I definitely think it's going to be cool. So that that's awesome. You guys are even progressing as songwriters. I mean, yeah, you don't you don't see a lot of bands do that. You see a lot of bands. I mean, this is going to be your second full length. Um, you see a lot of bands kind of phone it in after they found their sound. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, truthfully, I think you guys found yourself, your sound for the most part, but that's awesome that you guys are progressing like that. Does he have the same influence as you do? Because he, he does have a lot of that kind of Neil Purdish type right. of drumming going on. 
Well, I know, I mean, I'm not going to speak for Victor, but I know he would agree with me that um, his favorite drummer, that his biggest influence is Travis Barker. That's his biggest influence. As, he, a, as he a most tell you, of this generation, yes. Yeah, he, he loves Travis Barker. And um, he... He was influenced by Matt Grainer on the EP, especially. Right. Um, he was massively influenced by Matt Halpern uh, for three. And he's, I don't know, he, he's influenced by a lot of prog um, drummers like Matt Garska and stuff. A lot of the modern prog drummers that are coming out lately. Yeah. Um, he's definitely listening to them and, and is influenced greatly by them. But uh, I know there's a lot of other drummers outside of the metal genre that he's also influenced by. And, um, it's really cool because Victor he <laughs> he likes throwing in like really weird things that I wouldn't <laughs> think of. Um, for example, uh, the song "Frames" in in uh, three. There's a breakdown in it, and and it's like it's when I originally wrote it, I wrote it like three weeks. "Frames" is a very old song, by the way. Okay, uh, I, I wrote that song pre before numbers even existed. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and so. Um, so I had these old ideas, and, and uh, there's the there's this part that's a breakdown that slows down tempo by like 30 BPM, you know, and it's like one of those cliche things that that was like you have this breakdown and it goes through maybe two times, and then on the third time it's like slows down yes. and gets on the doomy note, yes. you know, and like I'm totally gonna say that right now, yeah, and like. <laughs> And it hits that note, and it gets super mean. And Victor like heard that, and uh, and he took this section. He, he was like, I'm, "We're gonna keep it this way." He, he's like, "But there's gonna be one bar. There's gonna be one bar of four that's gonna be Latin." Oh. And I was like, "I was like, what are you talking?" He's like, "Just trust me. I want to do it. I want to do it." I was like, "All right." And so I just I just let him do his thing, and. Um, it just came together to be the we laugh at it but i mean we love it we laugh at it because it's funny but in the middle of that breakdown it like it goes from like this really dark doomy harsh just super heavy part all of a sudden there's just one bar of like this latin beach like sounding like where where are we it, like i can't help but think of like hawaii or like <laughs> the sun or like just like this nice little um uh, I guess, you know, a drink like was maybe like a. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a martini, you know, like it, <laughs> right. almost like a, mar- a martini in the middle of a breakdown, and then it goes straight back to the heavy part. And when that came together, um, at first I just had just heard the drums, and I was like, okay, I don't. I mean, the drums sound fine, but when the music and uh, Ryan and Aaron, our producer, um, and Victor, <laughs> all came up with this musical part. That I had no idea. I never expected them to throw that in there. When they did and I heard it, I was like, that is amazing. I've never heard that ever in a song before. And that made that whole doomy cliche part so the opposite of cliche, you know? And, right. And, um, and yeah, it, I, it's just stuff like that that I think uh, having having the extra creativity from the other band members, they can take the songs that I write and just make it so much more creative. And yeah. that's... That's really what Numbers is about, is just taking good music that we already like and then infusing just different and new things into it, you know, making something new out of it. Hope you guys are enjoying the first part of this part one episode. Right now, I have to get, let you guys know. Uh, audible.com. Audible.com. Audibletrial.com slash Killrock. Audible 
trial.com slash killrock. Why did I say it two times? So it's embedded in your head. That's right, embedded in your head. I'm trying some subliminal stuff on you. Anyways, audibletrial.com slash killrock. Go pick up your free 30-day trial. Go pick up your free audiobook download. With every sign-up you make, it helps the Kill Rock podcast. It helps us pay the bills. It helps us produce a website. It helps us produce more uh, episodes. And it helps us get to the places uh, when we do interviews live and in person with these great, amazing bands like Silent Planet, like Matter, like Wolves at the Gate, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, Fit for a King, all those great bands. You sign up at audibletrial.com slash killrock. It helps the Killrock podcast. With that said, we're going to get to another jam by the band Numbers off their album three. This is their song, Truth Bender, here on the Kill Rock Podcast.
Thanks. Right now. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for sure. So much. <laughs> um, let's talk about three. We talked about the songwriting. Um, how did three come together? Um, we talked about how you wrote it, but uh, storyline, like it feels like there's a story that you're trying to tell through this album. Uh, what what is what is three? Man, that's a that's a tough question. Um, it's three has been a journey for me as far as like um, lyrics and songwriting. A lot of those lyrics were um, written just not not uh, improvised. Definitely not. I don't want to say improvised, but I, it, a lot of people like to say thought vomit. You know, yeah. um, when you when you like have just words that you just need to write on paper you know right. um that's kind of what most of those songs spawned from as far as lyrics and i didn't have a specific or particular direction i wanted to go with it it was more just like these are lyrics that i need to get out that i need to say that like um that i have never really had the courage to say but i'm gonna say it you know uh some of the songs are darker than others. A lot of them are about me struggling with my own past mm-hmm. and with my uh, with my own, I guess, ego and my soul. And um, it's just a lot of self. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a selfish selfish album as far as uh, subject is concerned. It's it's about me and a lot of my guilt and a lot of the guilt that I carried, a lot of the guilt that I let go, a lot of like triumph a lot of defeat a lot it's just a whole lot of me um and sometimes i get really just nervous talking about it because i'm like i don't really want to describe this because it's first off i i i don't want to sound like everything's all about me but it wasn't until after we were already done with the album that i like really took a hard look at the lyrics and i was like this is all about me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is, uh, man, this is really, and it was kind of eye-opening too because when you, when you have, at, in the moment when you're like experiencing something in life and you're like, man, I need to, I need to write whatever's, whatever chaos is going in my head. I need to write it down. You know, right. I need to, I need to get this out. Um, I write it down and then you can't really make sense of it. Like it's really, I don't know, even know what it's about. And then all of a sudden, like as I'm, as the months go by, I'm, I revise my lyrics. I go over them and go, this doesn't flow well. This doesn't work. Or this, this needs to be um, just reworked in some way. Or the words are really just picky right here or weird right here. And I, I critique my own words until they flow correctly. And then all of a sudden, there's this message there that my brain dumped onto the paper that I didn't even make sense of at the time. It was just my subconscious you know, needing to say something. And then I'm, I can make sense of it later and it's uh it was a very i guess eye-opening experience for me you know uh being able to write and get out what i needed to write without quite understanding what it was about myself and then seeing it in retrospect as a finished product and going whoa yeah uh i actually wrote about some deeper stuff here that i (laughs) that i originally thought you know um i i seem to in the EP, we had a track where I was kind of told a story that was like about a boy and uh, and a man that he met in the forest, mm-hmm. and and then he had to run and he finds himself lost. And um, I refer back to that same boy character 
Uh, it's chilly and, out, right? Yeah, and it's chilly out. I yeah. was actually, I was actually going to ask you about that because uh, in that song he's talking with the demon. Am I right? Right. Yeah. Um. It's it's the demon that that speaks. Uh. The first pr- pretty much the first half of the song. Yeah. Right. And, and then it's the boy that speaks, not necessarily to the demon, but just speaks. Um. Speaks out. You know. Uh. As uh, almost like as contrast of of what the demon had been saying. Okay. And the demon had a lot to say. I'm sorry. The demon had a lot to say. Yeah. And the boy had very little to say. But what the boy had to say completely, in my opinion, trumped everything that the demon had to say. Now, is and, do you have? Is there ahead. like a spiritual uh, connection between you know whatever you're singing about? If if it's just you know, if it's just your inner self, or if there's like a you know you're coming to it as, in a spiritual sense. Yeah, some some of it is very spiritual. Okay. Some some of it is extremely spiritually. Some some of it is very uh, blunt and not spiritual. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, it's a swanky sauce. As silly as of, of a title as that song is, that song that whole song is about um, the guilt that I carried uh, from cheating on an ex-girlfriend of mine i I was in a relationship and i cheated and it was the guilt that followed it was pretty unbearable and i i'm i'm a man that carry that tries to remain as virtuous as possible not trying to puff my own chest but like i just try to stay as pure as possible and that that the emotions and the guilt that came with that experience was very heavy and uh and that song, while it might be emotionally heavy, it has a lot of attitude and sass, but I'm giving like a lot of attitude and sass towards myself. Right. And so, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it depends on really what the song's about, but there's a lot of spiritual stuff that I connect, that I've connected with over the years that I've had to write about. But there's also a lot of just experiences, you right. know, um, undertow is a massive, uh, spiritual, but it's also philosophical in a lot of ways. Just being able to, like, undertoes that long. There's an 11 minute song that we wrote, and and undertoes just about the, kind of like the journey of the struggle of uh, kind of battling your own, uh, I guess, fleshly desires um, and your your ego and wanting to be done with it, you know, but. It's always there. It's almost like it's a, it's almost like facing the darkness within yourself and wrestling with it and like and wanting it to leave but it it just won't. It's always going to be there, you know, and and that's and that's that's a huge struggle for I I believe everyone. Right. And uh but that's kind of like a raw um here's what my struggle looks like, you know, and there's there's a whole section in that entire song that just I really wanted to encompass and sound like madness, you know, because that's kind of what it is. It's madness within ourselves. And I wanted to kind of expose that and unleash that madness into a song. And um, so, yeah, it, it really did. So it's, it's, it's a loaded question when you ask me, like, is some of it spiritual? It's like it's kind of everything. Right. Um, so. Now it seems like when you write your songs, how you're saying like you know the you know brain vomit and whatnot. It seems like you figure out you know the story that is actually going on, like like 
far down the road. I know with myself, I would write lyrics the same way, and I wouldn't right. even realize what the song is actually about until we're actually in the studio and recording it. Um, is is there right. any song where you wrote and you're like, man, this is silly, this is you know stupid, but it came to the point where where you're like in the studio and you look at it and you're like, man, I was going through some stuff, and it actually becomes like maybe your lyrical favorite album or song on the album. Oh, okay. Um, let me think about it. Um, <laughs> I know it's a loaded question, kind of. Well, and and there's also there's also a lot of songs that I'm I'm th- trying to think of. Yeah, you guys um, you guys have a lot of songs, right? Yeah, <laughs> and we have a lot more songs too. And uh, there's yeah, there's there's a lot of songs that that I write. Um, you can check them out on SoundCloud.com/slash/NumbersMusic. Okay, because uh, that has a bunch of my written demos. Those are the, those are what I've delivered to like Victor and and the oh, rest okay. of the members of the band. I, those are my ideas. Like I'll I'll write everything out via digitally, you know, it's all digital guitars, everything's digital and um I can get my ideas out pretty well in a sense that like it I mean it sounds like a video game, but right. um it at least gets the song idea across. So yeah, you, you can check that new material out that potentially will be on future albums you know if you if you'd like but anyways as far as that the answer to that question um i would say that shortly broken is uh and even empty eyes um both those songs like they were songs that i i had written that i was like i i'm not sure like i know that these are the right lyrics these are what i want to like sing about but i'm not entirely sure what this is even about yet and i when i came into the studio and we were knocking everything out and um, I was saying these phrases over and over and over again. I started con- to connect them, you mm-hmm. know, and to connect them with, like you said, what I was going through at the time that I had written it. And um, I totally see, you know, uh, that kind of epiphany or revelation, you know, when it happens. It, but it happens, I feel like, with almost every song. But those right. two in particular, I didn't really know uh, what the goal was with with uh, the message behind the song. It, I don't necessarily think that songs have to have, you know, a goal or a message that, you know, if, if as long as it's like somewhat cohesive or understandable, right. it's it, that's all I care about. But it was still cool that I was able to write it and be like, I'm confident in this, even though that I'm not quite sure how clear this message is. And then once I, I'm done with it, I was able to look at it in retrospect and go, oh, man, I totally see what I was writing about now. Right. And uh it's it's interesting. I think it's I think the same thing can happen with anybody that like writes in a journal, you know, or or, or writes just their own thoughts down. Uh, they can look back, you know, a month or a year or two years later or year, many years later and go, oh my gosh, I was totally writing about this and didn't realize it. You know, um, I think it's it's funny how our brains work like that. I totally agree. Um, yeah. When you when you released three, uh, you guys were a four piece. Am I right? Correct. And now you guys are two. Uh, no. Well, t- there's there's some confidential stuff. Okay. Going no, on. Don't worry. About we're it. still we're still a four piece. Um, but we've had another member change. Uh, okay. And so, uh, originally, it, it the only two original members of Numbers now are Victor and I. Okay. Um, Mike is our second guitarist, and uh, we have a new member. Um. That we will be announcing at some point, uh, but we haven't announced him yet. Is he famous? <laughs> is he famous? Is he famous? Uh, he, he's definitely he he he's made his own name. That's for sure. Okay. Um, in, in different bands. 
in in one other band in particular, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I won't give you I won't give you any more information than that. Is he from? Because I don't want. Is he from the Washington area? Yes, yes, he is. He's in our area. <laughs> we know him well. He's a great friend of ours. Is it Josh so. Head from Emory? No, my goodness, I don't know those guys. <laughs> Hey, well, that's a good band, though. I oh, like I, great band. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, actually, I, I meant I don't know them personally. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm, yeah. su- I'm surprised that uh, you didn't really name them as influences, as they're one of those bands that brought in the keyboards. Dude, in their they are. They're they're a huge influence. I mean, I, I can't particularly think of like, um, like what they influenced me on. I will say that uh, what's his name, the vocalist, right. he influences me a lot. Toby? Just the way that, uh, yeah, yeah, he, I mean, his style, especially, like, um, the song, gosh, that their huge song that made them famous is, like... Walls? Is it Walls, or is it... it was, uh, it's like a pencil with erasers yeah, 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 on yeah. both ends. Yeah. yeah, that song. Um, I love the way that he's, like, his melody choices, really. Right. I think his melody choices are definitely an influence of mine. But as far as their music, I never, I, I don't know, I never really followed them after that album. Um I know that they're they're there, and I occasionally will uh, pop a maybe like one of their singles from their previous albums. But right. I never, I don't know. I guess I just never really got into them to the point that I followed them. Right. I just I at the time that album when I think I think it was Walls yeah, the at question, that time. Uh, the question. Yeah, the question. I got the Question Deluxe album and listened to that yes. quite a few times with the acoustic, but, dra- the yeah, acoustic tracks, right? Yeah, yeah. with so the good. piano one and stuff. Yes. Yeah, that's all. Very good music. I really like them, but I, gosh, man, I just compared to the other bands that I mentioned, um, like <laughs> oh, oh it, they're not as big of an influence, right. but they they definitely still are. I listen to them, but um, uh, I was gonna say a Sky Eats Airplane. Yeah, Do you remember them? Okay, yeah, they're from. I think they, they're from my area, actually. Uh, they're well, they're from. I thought they were from Texas. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but they they were actually a huge influence of mine. Oh wow! And it was a huge bummer because they they broke up. But um, their their full length album, I listened to that so much, and because they had that kind of style that I had always been looking for, which mm-hmm. is which is just heavy metal with like but uh, with a lot of like digital, very eight uh, bit sounding synths you know that are actually worked into the music that actually makes it really really cool and different and um their guitarists were so good and he would the solos were awesome the singing was cool and they had a singer screamer that just did all of it at once and they didn't have any keyboards but they had a lot of backing tracks that were that were just so they it put something new on the table you know and i guess it just didn't catch fire you know um they because they broke up and zach ordway left and I don't know. It just it sucks when I think about that band because I'm like that was like my favorite band of 2008. You know, like <laughs> 2008 and 2009. I was just bumping Skye's Airplane all the time. Yeah, and I, uh, I've seen them once. Yeah. I saw them once uh, when they were on tour with August Burns Red. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and a Skylit Drive, right? Yeah, and uh, Greeley Estates. They were on that tour too. It was a good tour. It was a good show. Oh, I saw them with This or the Apocalypse. Yeah, This or the yeah. Apocalypse was on it as well. Yeah, yeah, gosh, it was so good. But they one, were so good. One thing uh, we brought up, uh, well, I brought up Emery uh, just on yeah. a whim, but one thing that um, I think what draws myself into certain bands is if you could tell that they're real musicians uh, because they could write those crazy like chord progressions, time signature changes, yada, yada, yada. But the way that they do it is a way in a way that uh, 
a normal person, someone that isn't, or I guess for the lack of better words, musically challenged, they could listen to it and be like, Hey, I really like this, but the musician can really get into it. And I think that's one thing that numbers does because you guys are very technical band, but hooky enough that a normal person, uh, again, for the lack of better words can get into it. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Um, because that was actually a huge goal of mine. I was like, I've always wanted. I listen to Periphery. I listen mm-hmm. to Animals as Leaders. Um, yeah. And I Animals listen as to Leaders is so good for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of prog metal bands, and I listen to Born of Osiris, right. and they, they kind of, they kind of bounce between prog and metalcore. But mm-hmm. um, regardless, like these bands, I love these bands, and um, and I've always loved them because. I was able to kind of psychoanalyze everything. You know, I was analyzing, like like you said, the time signatures and things like that. Um, and I just, I get so into it because, like you said, as a musician, you're able to really just go, oh, that's cool that they did that, you know? Right. Whereas just your average listener would be like, oh, it just sounds like music to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and I could, uh, I'm going to go sing, I could sing this like, it's stuck in my head like all the time like and that was the goal so for me i was like i really want to be able to to incorporate time signature changes play with maybe some some seven eight and maybe some Mm. five four here and there and you know bounce between four four and maybe a little three four here and and like and even key changes there's a key change in legally speaking you know that we pull off and it's at that towards the end of the song is that before is that before you guys break or is that in is that going into the uh um, little like the end of the song. It's it's towards the end. It's right before that big finale. Um, okay. It's while I'm singing. I, I, and, uh, I knew something was going on there. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a key change where I say uh, now the word now, mm-hmm. and the, on on the word now it switches to E minor, and uh, oh. the whole the whole first half of the song before that was in C minor, and then we we jump over to E minor right there, and uh, and then it becomes. It, it changes the entire light of the song. Right. It goes from this very, it like the song travels from this kind of sassy, holy crap, full speed, uh, really really fast, um, high energy to dark and really foreboding and brutal, and then calms down. And then when we shift over to E minor, the entire color of the song changes to something much more hopeful, much more inspiring, much more um, just grandiose, you know, I guess you could say like just much more emotionally, like uh, positive. And I meant for that, you know, I meant for that, for it to go that direction because especially in the lyrics, like, like uh, despite all of this negative stuff that I said, I'm trying to steer this darkness into a new direction, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's what was my goal is that like, uh, I wanted to write this really technical music that musicians can listen to and go, Whoa, there is so much musical de- detail in this as well as accessibility for listeners, you know, for your average listener that's going to go, I don't know what's going on here. The beat is very weird, but I love that chorus because it gets stuck in my head, you know, and that's, I'm all about that. I'm all about catchy melodies and just getting hooks stuck in your head because I like that kind of music. And I also like the dark music, you know, and I also like the technical music. So again, numbers becomes that, exactly what i intended which is like this huge conglomeration or 
I guess I don't know if that's the right term or uh, <laughs> but it's yeah. a huge collection of so many different influences um, all infused into this accessible and yet technical songwriting style, I guess you could say. And that is it for part one of our interview with Kyle Bishop from Numbers. We will be releasing part two on Wednesday, the 14th. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, episode 31B, as we're going to call it. Like I said, the 14th on Wednesday. Thank you guys for joining us here today. Uh, there is a lot to say about numbers. I really don't want to get into it right now, though. I don't. I want you to finish the interview, and then I will say my piece in regards to their situation, regards to them as a band, regards to uh, the whole thing with Sumerian Records. I promise I'll, I'll talk about it. But for now, I think this is a perfect time to kind of just say, hey, we're going to play one last jam for you guys. Off their album, three. This is Numbers. This is their song, Swanky Sauce. Stay tuned for Wednesday, January 14th, when we release episode 31, part B, part two, featuring Kyle Bishop from the band Numbers. And thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for supporting the Kill Rock Podcast. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.